kind of clear out the elephant in the room, which is I was right about the World Cup. (laughs) (laughs) And what what would actually inevitably... The the fate of Argentina, basically, was predicted by me (laughs) several podcasts ago. So, and I'm... I mean, I'm not going to say that it's, uh, you know, that, that I was like using seer powers or anything like that. But I, th- I think that it's pretty obvious that a, a spectral force of some kind assisted me in that prediction. God spoke to you. <laughs> yeah, God spoke to me. He does that often. He only tells you sports results. Um, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's that would be useful for other things. Yeah, no, that's the deal we have is he's like, you know what? I'm going to give you divine insight, but only for sporting games that you don't care about. <laughs> so eh, that sounds kind of like a great tragedy more than a superpower. It's got its ups and downs. So, do you want to uh, real quick before we you know get into the big stuff? Do you want to give me a breakdown? How you, you know? Obviously, we posted our our articles periodically and followed the game pretty closely. Overall, how do you think FIFA did in predicting the outcome of the matches? So it predicted forty one percent of matches correctly, which is surprisingly impressive. Yeah. Um, no, that's really good. I think that's uh, I think that's beyond what you would expect statistically. Yes, yes for for accuracy, Definitely. meaning that FIFA is also probably guided divinely. <laughs> and it's been such a weird fucking World Cup too. So that even adds more to how impressive that is, you know? Yeah, yeah. I think because uh, all of the big, a lot of the big teams were Im- eliminated pretty much immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it did better than some of the experts. I was watching. Woke up predictions before I wrote the conclusion. Mm-hmm. And I ended up not using anything just because a lot of them were YouTube videos and I didn't know if there were any issues with copyright and shit. So I just decided to avoid it altogether. But uh, a lot of them, when they were giving their predictions and the brackets and everything, did a lot worse than FIFA did. Oh, really? So, yeah. So that's interesting to me. Because there's a lot to, you know, predicting sports that can really be quantified. Uh, like, you know, you can't really predict if a guy is going to get nervous and, you know, choke. Right. Or like the, how much how much heart people put into it. Exactly. So I think props to EA for actually getting it that much right. Yeah. Yeah. No. And that's probably the only time you will hear me say props to EA. Mad, mad <laughs> In cred. any context. Mad cred to Electronic Arts. Uh, I hope that we can... The feature was actually really popular. We got a lot of traffic to the site for it. And right. uh, it's definitely something that we'll do whenever they have the World Cup again, assuming we're still around by then. <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, and, I was telling and, Jay, I think I might have flown a little close to the sun because between the work trips and everything, sometimes I felt like I couldn't... I wasn't going to make it. but Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like that sometimes. Um, there, and, and I mean, this is, of course, also assuming that the next iteration of the World Cup game doesn't have, like, soccer ball DLC or something like that. Jesus you know, Christ. Maybe, maybe it won't have... It's kind of like The Sims. You know, maybe it won't have, like, grass on launch. It'll just be dirt fields. <laughs> I just think that the world's trend of liking soccer is just over. I just don't think there'll be another World Cup. You don't think it's going to stick? You think that's no? It? I, I think this is the last one. Well, if if they really do have the next one in Qatar, you could be right. There there may not well, be a, a the next, next one. Is World actually Cup. in Russia. Oh, did they fi- did they fix it? No, the twenty two the twenty twenty two one is in Qatar. Oh. Twenty eighteen is in Russia, which you know from we saw uh, with the Sochi Olympics. It looks like it's going to shape up to be an interesting one. So then Qatar actually has plenty of time to create a giant cooling system to, you know, fix their fucking country. 
right? You know what? Did you just go the Mr. Burns route and make a huge fucking plate that blocks out the sun? Yeah, yeah, that's what they need to do is just a giant, a giant plate uh, to protect the stadium. Or, I don't know if you guys have been following this, but on TV they got this show called Under the Dome. And they oh, got oh the the one that's uh, based on Stephen King's song. No? Yeah, yeah, and they just drop a dome on shit, and that seems to pretty much take care of everything. It's well, only it's only like two episodes because there's problems, and then they drop a dome down, and the problems go away. <laughs> so. Serious finished, or at least they do for all the world outside of the dome. No, nobody, no more problems. <laughs> we don't have that oh, place man. anymore. But uh, hey, if you're just joining us. This is the uh, Enemy Slime podcast. We're, we've made it clear to episode 39. We are so close to that dirty 40. I was going to say dirty 30, but that doesn't work. Middle-aged. Uh, middle-aged. We are so close to middle age. We're all having a little bit of a crisis right now. This uh, is significant because Jared promised he would feed us if we reached 40 episodes. And as, as he said, I am Jared, and we are joined today once more by the truest, bluest, most red-blooded American I know... Mr. Doug Wilson. I am true and blue. And uh, we also have a foreign national who actively worked against the American team while they were headed to the the World Cup championship. Uh, But Lucio Lorenzino is here as well. I just hope I I haven't used all my powers in thwarting the U.S. because I really needed to thwart Germany. But uh, I guess it was too, they were too good. It would have been nice if you sent some of those bad vibes towards like net neutrality or something like that, but yeah. <laughs> oh, you don't know the hatred for net neutrality. But... I, I guess making the United States lose the World Cup is pretty good too. <laughs> I guess Belgium. So hey, should we talk about news a little bit? Let's talk about news. Let's talk a little bit about news. So Jay's not here, which is too bad because he's the one who who obviously cares the most. Uh, but we we ran a little story earlier in the week. Uh, you probably thought that Smash Brothers couldn't possibly have any more characters to announce, but you were wrong, because they had at least three. Uh, they have announced Captain Falcon, which I think we were all pretty worried wasn't going to be in the game. Uh, yeah, we were losing sleep over it. And then we also got two new Fire Emblem characters from Awakening, so... Uh, Jay and I have been talking for like I, I think we've probably mentioned it on the podcast even that that Lucina pretty much has to be in that game, right? Because we're we're both big Lucina fans because she's awesome, and the, the you know when I saw uh, uh, Reggie at at E three I winked at him and I think he knew, and so he he made it happen. He got on you know, he got on he the horn with back. Sakurai and he's like, hey, exactly, make it happen, buddy. We need Lucina. I don't care if it's a reskin of Marth. Nobody likes Marth anyway. So it looks like it probably is a reskin of Marth. Uh, yeah, it definitely looks like a smoveset. At least from the footage that they've shown. But I don't even really have a big issue with that. Because like, my favorite Smash Brothers character was always Roy. Because I, I did better with the... This is this is beyond what we need to say. But, but Marth's damage like is, is at its max at the tip of his sword. Mm-hmm. And uh, Roy's damage is at its max at the base. And for some reason, that always worked better for me. So, I, I, there's so many jokes that I could be making. I don't, right like, <laughs> I don't like using the tip. I like to get the whole thing in there. I mean, who wants to just do the tip, right? It's bullshit, you know? Tip, tip's not very yeah. fun. Yeah, and it's unrealistic that the tip would be the most effective because that's not how swords work. 
And then, you know, like, you know, you go just the tip and then you just end up getting excited and going all the way. So. <laughs> yep. That's well, that's exactly what happens to me. Right. Is like I get up to an opponent and I'm like, shit, I'm not standing far enough away to use just the tip. I'll just go all the way in then. And yeah, it doesn't, there. I mean, you it know, doesn't do as much damage unless I'm Roy. But well, I, going all the way to the base is, is more fun for you and the opponent, really. Yeah, because they get, they get knocked further <laughs> off the stage, and uh, you know everybody wins that way. Um, did you guys play Fire Emblem? Either of you? I did. Oh, did you? I, yeah. I played one for the GameCube, not the new one. Right, right. But you didn't play Awakening. No. We'll get on that because it's pretty great. And uh, the one thing that I think bummed a few people out is they showed Krom, the other main character in Awakening. Uh, they showed him in the trailer. And they kind of made it look slightly like he might be playable, uh, but he he actually is not. They've they've confirmed that that's just going to be the Avatar's uh, final smash. So, also, um, you can be the girl Avatar or the male Avatar, which actually I think is kind of cool. Yeah, and for Nintendo, like that's a big thing for them to include that. Yeah, right. Because after all, uh, yeah. they they don't usually have lady parts on the brain. Um. So other other stuff that went down uh, is Grim Fandango. Uh, it, it's yes, yes, I saw that. It, it yes. kind of it kind of flew really under the radar when it got announced at E three, but at E three, Sony announced that they were going to be handling an HD re release of it, which is great news for me because I cannot tell you how many times I have tried to play this game and yes. not succeeded. <laughs> uh, I, I actually have, have the the original diskette. I do too. And, well, first of all, you know, I don't have a computer that accepts skets anymore. But mm-hmm. even if you did, I don't think you can install that thing in anything like older than Windows 95. So I have the I have the CDs, actually. Um, I, I have pirated this game. I have purchased this game. I have tried to play it in every conceivable way. And I even... Man, I've done some weird stuff. I've even done, like, VMs and set up, uh, you know, like a Windows 95 virtual machine and try playing it there. It is just so difficult to get it to run. It's usually sound. It seems like it has the most problems with sound. But I don't know what it is, but I never got it to play like after like Windows 95. Either either that way, I am absolutely thrilled that we're getting an HD release of it. And I didn't even an mind. An HD, dude. Yeah, and I didn't even mind that it was going to hit uh, you know, Sony consoles cuz I've got I've got both of those, so that's fine. But uh, not Telltale, uh, Double Fine actually announced that it's also going to be coming to PC, Linux, and Mac as yeah. well. So no Nintendo console, no Microsoft console, but they will be coming to PC. Well, you know, it's, I think considering how hard it's been to find that game, and I think a lot of people just consider it was lost to, to the annals of time. Yeah. Uh, I think just, you know, having it for PC would have been great. Having it for two platforms is even like more more impressive so you know i'm i'm very excited but i'm not gonna lie at the same time this is also like 15 years of hype i don't know that it's gonna be able to live up to the expectations that the world has set for it for me uh yeah i mean it's one of my favorite games but i've already played it so i know what to expect Uh, that's a good question is it really up to the hype because part of part of the hype also has to be with like kind of you know lost game status you know what i mean mm-hmm. yeah like you had to try so hard to find it and even if you had it you probably wouldn't weren't able to play it 
Like it's like so, when you it's like when you guys got all stoked for ET on the Atari, and all exactly. the and all the cartridges that they dug up, and you're like, oh, I want that. It's, exactly. It's probably to be not fair. Me. I wasn't planning to actually play. No, I know we've 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 covered that ground. I, I understand now that you just wanted it to look at. Exactly to see it happen. Yeah. Well, I hope that that dream comes true for you, and I'm glad that you have the Grim Fandango diskette because that's perfect. <laughs> yeah, it's so useful. Actually, you might do the same thing that I probably to do with the ET cartridge. Just kind of frame it and yeah. and look at it once in a while. Yeah, there you go. And it, does it did it come in that like big box that adventure games used to come in? Yeah, yeah, that's pretty sweet. Um, let's let's talk about. So this is kind of interesting. Uh, I don't know if you guys followed this at all. Kickstarter, and this is not necessarily video game related. But uh, we, we, we kind of covered it by proxy on the site this week. And a couple interesting things have been going down on Kickstarter. But I would say the most interesting thing that's happened over the last couple of weeks on Kickstarter is the potato salad <laughs> Kickstarter. Uh. Which, which, and like I said, I know it's not a video game, but I always feel like Kickstarter is intrinsically tied to video games just because it's probably one of its more popular avenues especially the you know the indie crowd loves it and obviously tim schaefer and people like that have made it a big hit so to those not familiar the potato salad kickstarter is exactly what it sounds like a guy set up a kickstarter campaign asking for ten dollars so that he could make potato salad and i think as of today it has reached fifty thousand dollars. The fuck is wrong with people? It's pretty impressive to just make some potato salad. And it, o- over time, of course, he's got like stretch goals and things that he's put in, and so like you can back it and get like a potato salad T-shirt and all this other stuff. But the Kickstarter was kind of met with a little bit of controversy this week because the creator actually swapped out the default picture on the Kickstarter page for a, another picture of a potato salad that he had eaten at kind of like a fancy restaurant. And this potato salad was, it was snooty by comparison. Like it was, it was much more upscale. And so had, it wasn't what the backers had paid for. It had a lot of elaborate ingredients that didn't really, they weren't in line with the original spirit of the, of the Kickstarter. I, I think one comment somebody basically said, this Kickstarter began as the most non-commercial thing that a man can do, which is make some potato salad. But now it's getting super commercial, and they weren't comfortable with that anymore. And some backers even withdrew their money. Potato salad's too mainstream now. <laughs> it's too mainstream. You got to get it out of there. Macaroni uh, style at Kickstarter. Starting it up. Well, and so that's the second thing that happened, is after this Kickstarter launched... There was a ridiculous influx of food-related Kickstarters. Of course there was. That launched on the service and made a bunch of money, many of which followed a similar principle of like actively telling people not to donate, which of course makes people donate to your Kickstarter. If, if homeless people, like panhandlers, stood out on the street and they just had signs that said, don't give me any money, they would get so much money. Uh, I don't even know what to say, man. Because that's the first step when somebody tells you not to give them money is obviously you need to give them some money. Kudos, kudos to the guy who came up with the potato salad idea. Yeah, he's... But for high, everybody else, yeah. what the hell is wrong with you? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's getting 
It's getting a little ridiculous. And this I is mean, funny. It's a joke, but come on. Really? Well, and so this is this is it's so funny because you can't even make a potato salad on Kickstarter without backers getting upset about the decision making process regarding the potato salad, right? So you put your yeah. video game on Kickstarter and you you they donate a bunch of money and as soon as you donate money to something you feel entitled to it being handled a certain way. Mhm. And so when they hear that you're doing something like using a different spice that they didn't originally agree to, you know, it's upsetting to people. And the same thing happens with a lot of video games. And I think a really good example of that is the uh, Soul Saga. Now, have you guys seen anything regarding that? Did you catch that Kickstarter at all? Yeah, no, I have not, no. So Soul Saga is a Japanese RPG that is not made by a Japanese person. But it's supposed to be in that same spirit so it, it's kind of a playstation era jrpg which is kind of a genre that has gone the wayside or, or been lost entirely and it actually had some really cool art that has been created for it and it racked up a total of about two hundred thousand dollars the problem is is that it got some great art and it got two hundred thousand dollars and then for the last three months basically nothing has happened and I feel like I feel like this is becoming so common that we shouldn't even bother yeah, reporting, reporting or talking about it anymore. But anyway, there there have been about three months of silence from the creator, uh, at which point he crashed back into the room to announce that he had been having health issues, uh, issues so severe, in fact, that he was I think he was saying he was unable to sit up. Okay, which is that's pretty sick because like I'm you know I sit up all the time and it doesn't feel like very much work. But he was very appreciative of that two hundred grand. Yeah, it's going to pay for a lot of his uh, doctor bills, I'm sure. I don't. I don't think that the people who donated to this Kickstarter and didn't get a game. I don't think these people got screwed because I think at this point, it's pretty clear that when you donate to a Kickstarter, you are basically just giving money away, right? Like, yeah, we all know that at this point. Nobody should be coming back from this pissed off that it didn't happen, right? It's charity, pretty much. Yeah, it's 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 charity, and if you get a game, then then good. But you should never ever expect it because that's just going to end in heartache for you. I mean, it's it's investing in the in the purest form, right? You're taking a risk. Yeah, yeah, actually, that's <clears throat> and that's a good way to phrase it. You know, it's it's taking a chance that somebody's going to be able to meet the expectations that you have. And we're just mm-hmm. we're, from the from the get go. I think we're seeing a lot of people who aren't meeting those expectations, and that's just how it is. That's how the world works. So I haven't been, I haven't been paying much attention to the news lately because, uh, as I think I expressed it uh, yesterday, what did I do before the World Cup? You're you're so. <laughs> you're a girl on the go too. So I mean, you know, you're all over the place, drinking cosmopolitans at five star hotels. That's right. Uh, you know, you're a busy guy. So uh, the last maybe piece of news, and I say it's news because I haven't unfortunately had very much time to spend with it, but something else that's gone down since our last podcast is The Wolf Among Us has finally wrapped up and and finished its session. Now, have either of you guys played it? I haven't, unfortunately. No, I haven't. I wanted to pick it up during, I think, this last Steam sale, but I don't know why I didn't. Because you're lazy, I guess. Well, it was like it was like seven dollars. I was like, I should totally buy that, and then I didn't do it. Yeah, shame, shame <laughs> on you. Uh, but you guys are playing The Walking Dead, right? I am playing through the first one. I That's am how in, like, behind I am on everything. I'm on episode two of the second <laughs> season. Okay, so you're both getting there. 
because um, the Wolf Among Us is very, very close by comparison, right? They're very, very similar. Feel, um, make you feel bad, simulator. Yeah, it definitely makes you feel bad. It's one of those things where even if you make the best possible choice that you could, it will almost always feel like you didn't make a very good choice. Maybe a good example of this is in the in the last chapter that I played. There are there are basically two. I won't. I'll, I'll try my best to skirt around spoilers here. But there are basically two characters who kind of antagonize you the entire game. Like they show up <laughs> in every single chapter, and they're not like doing little shit. They're they're causing like a ton of problems and pointing shotguns at you. And and so in this last chapter that I did you corner one of them and you have the option of killing him if you're so inclined. And I knew the second that the choice came up, I was like, I'm not supposed to do this. Everyone is, everyone is going to be mad at me if I do this. It's so obvious that the game wants you to take the high road. And I was just like, you know what? I can't do it anymore. I have been nice to everyone in this game and I'm so (laughs) fucking sick of it. So I went ahead and just, you know, murdered the dude, and I'm I still haven't gone back to find out what exactly the fallout of that is. But even on like the next episode previews, it's pretty clear I'm in trouble. <laughs> Damn. It's, it's pretty obvious that I made an oopsie and shouldn't have done that. But I'm sure Was it worth it. I'm sure if he had survived, then something equally bad would happen. Well, it's kind of like uh, you know, in The Walking Dead, sometimes you have the choice of killing somebody or not. And then if you don't kill them, something will remove them from the story. Right, right. Something happens to them anyway. And there was a, a really great example of that, actually, in the last chapter of season two of The Walking Dead. There's a guy who, you, no matter what you do, this dude's doomed, and there's nothing that you can do to help him. And I think that's always going to be one of the core weaknesses of Telltale's games, because just the more you like playing it a second time i don't know how michael played the wolf among us three times like that's that's pretty baller to me because at that point you know how all the gears work and how everything's happening behind the scenes and from the get-go you've never been dramatically changing the story you've just been manipulating it a little bit you know you're you're not changing the outcome of the story you're just custom tailoring the journey yeah right and uh, this this game's you know still following that pattern. I don't think that you're probably ever going to see a Telltale game that doesn't, and, and they have to to keep the writing tight and stuff like that. But and, and um, if every choice had like a, a like a different way the branch, it would be ridiculous how long that story would have to be. Oh yeah, yeah. And I mean, you can you can try this at home yourself. And I don't know if you guys have ever done this, but. When I was a kid, I really liked choose your own adventure books. Yes. And so I was like, I'm going to I'm going to write one of those. And so I made my own choose your own adventure book and you quickly realize like how out of control that shit can get. Yeah. But those games feel that way and people get upset about it and we didn't dock any points for it even though that feeling is definitely there because it's just it's just unrealistic to not expect that unless you're playing a game like heavy rain and heavy rain is a great example of doing exactly that where there are all these different outcomes and these dramatic changes that you can make but the the game is definitely affected by that like the story is definitely made less reliable because of that the problem is that heavy rain kind of felt like it punished you for making the different choices you know well it definitely did i mean you know you can just die. People in exactly. people in heavy rain can just die, and then you just get a really, really sad ending. 
and that's exactly. the end. And that's what. And you know, I didn't want to. So, so, so you know, the thing with heavy rain is not only that, but you get a really sad ending, and you have to start again. Mm-hmm. And you really want to brush your teeth again. <laughs> I actually, I, I had every intention of going back in that game and replaying but it. But you? But no, I didn't, because you are straight up right. That game's start is just so slow. I mean, it's <laughs> it's at least an hour and a half to get going, and I just wasn't up for it. Couldn't do it. So. Yeah, I know. It's, I, try, it's just... I tried my best, but it just wasn't, <laughs> it just wasn't happening. But, um, um, th- I, I guess in, the, in case of the Wolf Among Us, if you already played The Walking Dead, I feel that you should kind of expect that going in because, yeah, it's surprising the first time it happens, but by the third time it happens in The Walking Dead, if you don't know that a character you have a choice to kill is probably going to die anyway, mm-hmm. um, I don't think you've been paying attention. Yeah, and, and I mean, to be fair, in season two even, there are some parts that I've noticed where I could definitely be missing a guy by now, but he's still hanging around, so... The opportunities are there, but at the same time, there are also a lot of people who you can save from getting clipped, and then they're just going to get clipped anyway, right? Because it just doesn't matter. Exactly. But it's been it's been pretty cool, and I think both games are great, and I think that they I, I think this will be a good year for Telltale when you know Game of the Year time comes around. I think a lot of people are going to have these on their lists. And uh, kudos to them. It, it, it's going to go well for them. Is the Game of Thrones game that we're working on coming out this year too? I think we still don't have any announcements on that. I don't know uh, when that's happening. Here, I can take a look real quick. Let's see. Have they even announced like if it's set in the same time period as like the books are or if it's a whole different... I don't think we know pretty We don't much. really know anything. I don't know. think we know anything. There is a website dedicated to it, uh, like like an actual official website and it has oh it has a trailer i never saw the trailer oh it has a trailer i bet it's probably a teaser trailer i bet there's like mm. almost nothing of gameplay or anything like that yep it's i actually have seen this now that i look at it so it pretty much reveals nothing um there was a game of thrones rpg for the playstation and the xbox and i think the pc uh, that came out a couple years ago and i hear it was pretty bad but i heard that the story was actually kind of okay it's it's definitely a world that's ripe for Telltale's kind of writing. Like I, I think definitely. this is this is almost the perfect project for them. So yeah, that's kind of what I thought when I saw it. Yeah, I'm excited to see what they do with it. And uh, of course, there's also Tales from the Borderlands, which we don't have much info on that either. I'm not really sure what the plan is regarding these games. They haven't given us a lot of updates yet. I guess it's fine. I'm not really much into the Borderlands universe, but I guess if you are, that's good news. Mm-hmm. I'm sure once, well, now that the Wolf Among Us is over and the Walking Dead's wrapping up, they'll probably start ramping up on the other two. I think so. And that's, that's I think, the way that everybody was hoping that they would do it because, you know, they've, they've taken a long time. Like, the Wolf Among Us took a, a really healthy dose of time to get released. And so it's nice to see them focusing, you know, on just those two and kind of, I'm assuming that they're going to wrap those up and then move on. And I'm also assuming that these are two teams developing and writing these. And if that's the case, it should be just as good when when they do Game of Thrones. And like those are both really strong writing teams. So if they keep having a split between two projects, I don't think that'll be a problem. Yeah, it seems they can handle the things that they want. Yeah, I think uh, I think The Wolf Among Us just about it was probably two months shy of taking a full year to complete its release. So. 
it it took its sweet time. Uh, let's see what else happened this week. First of all, you guys haven't been playing anything new, have you? No, just just the same game no. I played last week. Yeah, so just more divinity. And then what about you, Lucio? What have you what 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 did you spend your last week doing? Uh, <laughs> World Cup. <laughs> oh, that, oh, that's right. I heard uh, about also, that. Also, I finished Bunny Hearts. Oh, so how how was it? What do you what, what kind of you don't have to tell me here, but what what kind of score do you think you're veering towards? Either a four or a five. Really, that good, huh? Yeah, it is very good. Um, the only weakness that I can see it having is if you don't like adventure games or rhythm games, then it's probably not for you. R- rhythm games? I don't remember. They have some rhythm games, uh, like when you're doing the heal this guy type of gameplay. That's uh, that's rhythm game based. Oh, okay. It's it's not like a trench dancing mini game or no, 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 no. Anything like that, right? One of the things that I like about it is that it's not really a war game. Mm-hmm. The way that the they prepare the um, the narrative is like it's more about the characters. Like I said, they're kind of there doing their own thing. Mm-hmm. And the, um, you know, the war is kind of the background for the action. And the first part is very nice and whimsical. And, you know, like I said, kind of like a war movie, kind of like, you know, I save your private Ryan, let's go have an adventure during this war. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> when the second part comes and everything goes to shit, man, it hits you hard. Yeah, yeah. Let me put it like this. I finished this the same day that Argentina lost the final of the World Cup. <laughs> and that was the most oppressing thing I saw all day. So there you go. <laughs> so in a little bit of a funk there. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, in a bad day, that was the worst thing that, that I saw. In a good way. I mean, you know, like I said, if you can get, um, if you can really get that investor into something, then, you know, it's good. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, well, if you guys didn't play anything new, let let me tell you. I'm gonna I'm gonna drop a little surprise nugget on you. Are you ready? All right. I played, and so I I was playing Mario Kart. I've been playing a ton of Mario Kart, and on the Wii U menu on the Miiverse, I I always try to keep an eye on like what games are really popular and seem to have a lot of people talking about them and saying good things about them. Mm-hmm. And there was a game on there that I found completely by surprise. I had never heard of it before. Uh, I, I don't think I know the developer at all in any capacity. And I just saw a couple of really positive posts about it on the Miiverse. And I was like, ah, what the hell? I'll pick it up. It is called Shovel Knight. Have either of you guys... Oh, I heard of it, yeah. I've heard guys... a little bit about that, yeah. So it is fucking great. <laughs> like, Really? I knew nothing about it. And I just picked it up on a whim. And I am super, super impressed with this game. So let me kind of set the stage for you here. First of all, I think that because pixel graphics are so popular, a lot of games, especially in the indie scene, a lot of games have a retro feel to them or they call themselves retro and say that they're, you know, a stylized retro game, but they don't really feel that way. So like Fez, right? You guys have seen pictures of, Mm -hmm. of Fez or seen that game in action. Uh, that's a good example maybe of like pixel graphics, but they're modern day. They don't have a real retro feeling to them. Uh, and so the game still feels new, even though it's based on kind of some older tech sometimes. Um, and there's a lot of games like this. Like uh, what, what's what's another, what's a good pixel indie? Super Meat Boy. And even Super Meat Boy feels really modern. So Shovel Knight feels perfectly at home if it was on the super nintendo like it would 
blend in just fine and for the most part it would you would just think it's a really really good super nintendo game i mean everything Mm -hmm. about it like like the screen wipes just hitting start and starting the game the way that the screen wipes is just like something that you would see on the super nintendo and it's so difficult to describe without you actually seeing it in action but uh, i've been really impressed at how retro it actually feels and it makes other games that claim to be retro feel a lot less retro by extension i don't know if hmm. that, i don't know if that makes proper sense but i think no, I, it does. I read an article regarding the game that uh, when he was building it he like he kept in mind the limitations of of like the cartridges at the time uh-huh. and and built it with built the game with that in mind so that's i think uh, a lot of the reason why it feels kind of like it is so retro because he actually built it with those limitations in mind, except for sound, I think he said he had to make some allowances for the sound. Well, and even even the sound is pretty pretty sweet. Like uh, e- even that sounds you know nice and old. I'm sure it's not because obviously that's a really challenging one to match because you're you're going to be dealing with like an entirely different sound chipset. But I I have been just super super impressed at how at the feelings that this game elicits because it feels old and, and in a really really good way. Uh, so the closest game to compare it to, the easiest comparison that I can make is probably to Mega Man. The game draws a lot of inspiration from Mega Man, all the way to the point where the way that your character jumps, the way that Shovel Knight jumps, feels very, very similar to Mega Man's jump. Like the arc and, and the rise and fall and the speed at which you fall, it feels very, very close to that. Uh, and so in this game, the the story is true to its retro form the story is kind of not of any consequence you have a a knight buddy shield knight uh, a, a lovely lady knight who is captured by an evil band of knights and you head out to rescue her and along the way there's all these themed bosses and they're each located in stages that are themed towards them this sounding familiar and mm-hmm. uh, the only thing that is not the same is when you beat the bosses you don't acquire their powers uh, but there are upgrades to purchase, many of which will give you abilities that are similar to ones that the bosses have or, you know, extra effective on the bosses, etc. But it is super, super good. All the levels are themed and they're very, very challenging. It's it's never so hard that I couldn't that I got stuck somewhere and couldn't progress. But it is definitely hard enough that like I did get stuck, you know, in places, and it, it feels it feels a lot like Mega Man in that regard. The difficulty is very very close to it. The platforming and the jumping feels very similar. There are a lot of enemies. I don't want to say a lot, but there are some enemies that you have to really like figure out how to beat them and what the best way to beat them is going to be. Uh, a lot of the stages have mini bosses. Like halfway through the stage, you'll encounter a, a large boss. Um, and there's there's new elements to it too so maybe to give you an example two kind of modern day philosophies and this is kind of i think if you were to describe this game i would compare it maybe mega man if you put a little bit of dark souls in it so Mm. when you die in the game you'll drop out three money bags that kind of spread out and start floating in the air and it'll just be a small collection of your cash. And it starts to get, as you get more money, it gets kind of dramatically more harmful when you die. But at that point, you go back to the last checkpoint that you struck. And when you you work your way back, and when you get to the money, you can collect it, and it's no harm, no foul. 
But if you die again before getting back to it, then that money's lost forever, and that's it. Um, so it's a very roguelike step of the sign. A little bit, a little bit. Uh, and so the other thing on top of this that I thought was actually a really, really clever idea is as you're progressing and you hit these checkpoints, if you're so inclined, you can actually break the checkpoint and a bunch of money will spill out. Like they have a ton of money in them. But if you die at that point, you're going to go all the way back to the checkpoint before it. Or if you break all of them, you'll go all the way back to the beginning of the level. And there's a little bit of a gamble to it because sometimes the checkpoints are really, really close together or they'll be like, you know, there'll be one before a mini boss and then another one right after the mini boss. And so that would be a scenario where you could get really lucky and beat that guy in your first go around. But there's also plenty of other scenarios where you are not going to beat it and you, you only have the first time you get to the checkpoint to decide whether or not you want to break it. If you die and get revived there, then then that checkpoint becomes unbreakable and you can't damage it anymore. Hmm. But I it's thought, an interesting mechanic. Yeah, I, I thought it was really cool. It's very, very unique. Um, there are a ton of abilities and upgrades and stuff to unlock, and it's all done with that same money that you're trying to hold on to while you navigate the levels. It's really, really got a nice setup, and it has a very good sense of humor without going too over the top. Uh, if you guys have ever played... I'm trying to think of a game that has kind of this shameful homage but like you know you know when you're playing a retro game uh, maybe here's an example uh braid in Mm -hmm. in the first level of braid you get to the end and it might actually be only in the demo but you get to the end basically and there's a, a npc there that says you know sorry but the princess is in another castle yeah and it's so blatant right it's yeah it was kind of eh. So this isn't like that. This this game has a lot more callbacks and a lot more kind of like funny pieces of dialogue, but it's never going out of its way to be like, hey, she's in the <laughs> castle. It doesn't just shove nostalgia in your face for the sake of it. Right, right. It feels I like... I played Mario 2. It feels like they went and used nostalgia to create a really good game, uh, but they didn't go and use nostalgia to like trick you into liking it, if that makes sense. No, I get what you mean. It was a. Uh, it's it's been a huge surprise for me because, like I said, I I didn't even have any idea that the game existed, and I just kind of picked it up randomly on a whim and figured ah, I'll do a review for the site for it, and uh, I think it was fifteen bucks, and it was absolutely worth it. It's on Steam too, if you're so inclined. It's on Steam, the 3DS, and the Wii U. And so, hearty recommendation. I would I would really, I, I don't want to say it's like amongst my favorite games of the year but in all seriousness it, it could be uh because i haven't played a lot of great games this year so. hey man the way this year is going Drakengar might end up being in my game of the year well you list, should so. if you think if you think <laughs> if you're thinking that you should definitely check shovel knight out because it is it is really really good and like i said it is the most retro feeling game that i have ever played uh, e- even above other games that are deliberately attempting to be retro. Like, this really feels authentic and legitimate, and it'll, it'll give you some some really good kind of callbacks. But at the same time, it has all these new things that, you know, you expect from your games now. Like uh, That's the thing. You don't really want to go all the way retro because then you realize that all the design decisions that were made back in the day kind of sucked. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't want to you don't want to go so retro that the game becomes miserable to play or or anything like that. Right. Which is something that people don't seem to to remember. I don't know. I'm yeah. I think one of the few people that has still like the all his old consoles and I have them available enough that I can play them when I want to. Mm-hmm. And I gotta tell you, man, 
sometimes I go back to some of those games and you'll remember why we don't make games like that anymore. Yeah, there are people that have mad rose-tinted glasses when they look at old games. Mm -hmm. And they're just blinded to the fact that it it was just poor. It was limitations of the time and poor game design. It it wasn't challenging or or super hard. And you aren't an amazing gamer because you beat it. It was just shitty game design. And you beat it because you were five and you you had a lot of time. (laughs) Exactly. I think I've I think I've probably mentioned this before, but a few probably a few years ago at this point, uh, Michael and I broke out a Nintendo sixty four and tried to play Perfect Dark with each other. Mm. Oh, that game's fucking miserable. And that was Perfect Dark. Perfect Dark was like a, a leap beyond Goldeneye. I, I know Goldeneye. I mean, don't if if you like Goldeneye when you were a teenager or a kid or whatever, don't play Goldeneye. <laughs> Just Man. don't. Just going back and touching the N64 controller and, and using the, the thumbstick, thumbstick's terrible. Yeah. Like, yeah. It destroys your fingers. It's it's really crazy to see how far it's come by going back and doing that kind of stuff. But like, we, how we, about GTA 3? Have you ever, any of you guys have to try to play GTA 3 again? Um, I actually I haven't touched it, I don't think. I, I tried so to play bad. GTA 3 when, like, I think when Vice City came out. And when I went back to play, I was like, this game kind of sucks. I'm going to go back and play Vice City. Exactly. And that's when Vice City came on. Imagine if you go back now. Yeah. Well, and I mean, even even the old, like, uh, top-down games, uh, like GTA 2 and 1, they ha- they haven't aged so hot either. No. And yeah. Those, those were pretty bad. They were pretty bad back in the day. And I have more. Yeah. So I'm that kind of idiot. But... <laughs> But but yeah, it's uh, it, it's really really tough, and so it's nice to ha- it's nice to see a game that uses its history so effectively, but doesn't you know cripple itself by integrating things that are bad just because it can. I don't I don't know if you guys watched it, but Ego Raptor does a series called Sequelitis, mm-hmm. and he just did one for Zelda where he talks a lot about specifically Ocarina of Time, and he kind of talks a lot of shit on it and made a lot of people mad but if you look at the points he's oh, making no. for the most part a lot of them are pretty good points like it really is kind of a simple sort of retarded game since now everybody lost me because of the world cup coverage uh, i'm going to use some of that goodwill to piss people off and say that i don't actually i mean i like the of time tread softly sir i don't think it's in my top five zeldas even what it was so all right you know what you know what let's do it top five zeldas go Let's see. Link to the Past. Okay. Majora's Mask. Okay. Um, Link's Awakening. Uh-huh. Um, Twilight Princess. Toilet Princess, huh? <laughs> Twilight Princess, yes. <laughs> and Skyward Sword. Skyward Sword? Mm-hmm. All right. What about, what about you, Doug? Top five Zeldas. Um, I, it's been a long time since I've played Zelda, but I would definitely say my number one is probably Link Between Worlds now. And That's then, right. I forgot Oh, yeah. And then Link to the Past. And like I said, I haven't played a lot of Zeldas, so then it'd probably be Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask, and Wind Waker. But those are just like the last ones I've played. So, so let's get rid of uh, Twilight Princess and put Link Between Worlds. Uh, yeah, I think I think that would be smart because Twilight Princess isn't really that great. It's it's, it's good. Better, it's it's better than than Ocarina. I'm sorry. Well, I mean, Ocarina kind of gets a pass in my book because 
it was it was starting a lot of this stuff, right? Like it was. I agree, and I'm not saying that it was a bad game. Yes, not, that's what you're doing. Here, right? That's what you're doing. You piece <laughs> yes. of shit. You're saying it's a bad piece of shit game that doesn't deserve to exist. <laughs> you dick. Um, I think if I was doing my top five, it would probably be Link's Awakening first because, like, that was actually my first Zelda. And I adore the shit out of that game, even though I was stuck in it for a very, very, like, probably for years, and finally beat it years later. I think uh, it's a hard game. I think A Link Between Worlds is a good choice. I think A Link to the Past is a, a, a given, you know, a natural choice. Both of you guys left out Minish Cap. Never actually played it. It's. It totally deserves a spot. Like it, it's a very, very good Zelda, and it's really underrated. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, I'm not thinking. like Min- it can be a toss up between that and Skyward Sword. Minish Cap and Metroid Fusion are like two of the greatest gifts from the Game Boy Advance era, and I feel like most people haven't played them or or messed with them really. I mean, by comparison, it's really hard to find Minish Cap. It, it is. It is. It's hard to find Metroid Fusion now. Well, actually, it's not hard to find either of them anymore because they're on the Wii U Virtual Console. So, oh well, I don't have a Wii U. So. Well, you're gonna probably need one soon. <laughs> it, it's actually something worth having now. That's true. But uh, and then I did I pick a fifth? I don't know. Um, maybe Skyward Sword. I like Skyward Sword because I like the Zelda's that try kind of to do something different. Yeah, yeah, man. Though those tutorials. <laughs> but yeah, no, that's interesting that, that you say that. And like, and like I said, uh, Ocarina definitely has its fair share of problems. I think I think Ego Raptor actually made some pretty good points in his criticism of it. And again, I'm saying it's not a bad game by any stretch. And it is, you know, but like if I had to play it again, I probably would. But, but, you know, but like you said, not... it's it's those rose tinted glasses a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's remembering something, maybe not in the most accurate way. And, and let's be fair, we are probably an older generation of gamers. Most people that you see talking shit online, that was probably their first Zelda too. Yeah, that's true. That's, so you know, that's definitely true. Should we uh, should we do our email? Let's do our email. Let's let's do our email. So this one uh, was sent to me from uh, Parker who actually I think he's emailed us before. So Yes, yes, I never recognize him. That's cool. He's obviously a listener of the podcast because he begins by saying, Dear whoever is on the Enemy Slime podcast this week. <laughs> he's definitely a, a regular listener. <laughs> is it is it Felly? I don't know. Um but anyway he he said he uh he asks you guys or not asks, but he says you guys have a listing on the site of your favorite video games but you don't talk very much about your favorite consoles. And, and so the question is, what are your favorite video game consoles? I assume that excludes the PC, because... Um, I mean, the PC is kind of always there, I guess. I mean, yeah, well, and I mean... It, let's exclude it just for the sake of argument. Like, like, like yeah. if we want to just get on semantics, it's not a console, so... Yeah, but let's exclude it for the sake of argument, because then everybody's going to say, oh, well, the PC... <laughs> So uh, why why don't you why don't you lead us, Lucio? What what do you think is your favorite console? That's a very hard question. Throughout space and time, what I mean, I... just in sheer volume of games, I would probably say the PS2. Mm, yeah, that's a good choice. I had a pretty um, I had a pretty enormous PlayStation Two library. But then I don't know, man. I miss the SNES sometimes, just because that was you know when I was kind of like a a teenager and you know between there was a time when you were in, in school and arguing about um you know the thing that you found 
in this level and you know talking shit with everybody else and things like that. I don't. I don't think there was a more. I think the well. So I, before I go on my tangent, what what would you say, Doug? What's your favorite? I'd probably have to give it to, and there's probably rose rose tinted glasses going on here, but I think the PlayStation One. I had the most. I had the most games for, and just the most games that I, I still I really really liked at the time. But you think maybe? I, I think yeah. If I was to play some of the games that I liked back then, I'd be like, these aren't necessarily that great. You, but you think that perhaps Legend of Dragoon hasn't aged as well as you? I think so. Yeah. I I went back and played a little bit of that uh, a few years ago, and it's goofy as fuck. That's another thing. Um, SNES games, a lot of them age horrible, but a lot of them actually kept their quality. God, a lot of I mean, like Final like Fantasy VI is you you could wrap that up and sell that as an indie title today, and absolutely, it'd be fine. Or Chrono Trigger. I actually been playing Chrono Trigger with my son to teach him how to read. Yeah, and. You know, he's getting into it. He, there's no complaints about the graphics or anything like that because just the pixel art just ages so well. Yeah, I mean, it looks... Oh, if you, if you put in, like, Mortal Kombat, then yeah, that's... Well, even... <laughs> that hasn't aged that well. I mean, even some of the Mortal Kombats are okay. Like, Ultimate 3 still looks pretty good today. Yeah, that's true. But, uh, but yeah, I definitely think that... I, I think that we could probably... Maybe you guys would disagree, but I think we could probably all come to a consensus that like objectively without taking personal opinion into the matter the super nintendo is probably the best console to ever mm. exist right I, I could say that yeah you, you think you could you could get on that train with me and like i think that the super nintendo sega genesis era is is such like a golden era as far as that console war back then and you know blast processing and sega does what nintendo don't and <laughs> all those classics i actually just bought i just there was a book that came out a couple weeks ago called console wars that's all about the uh the sega nintendo battle from that era and i haven't gotten very far in it yet but it's it's already a pretty good read because i was too young to follow a lot of the business side of it and know who the people actually running the companies were and so it's interesting to go back and hear some of those relationships and how close these two companies were at times and you know what bitter enemies they were at others i don't want to spoil it for you but sega wins pretty hard (laughs) i actually i I mean obviously i've been here so i know that you know the dreamcast and shenmue came along and, and and you don't have to tell me because i was i was the stupid kid who sided with sega i was the one who's like yeah blast processing Woohoo! That's real. Fuck you. You know that I I got into my own school school bus fights and shit. You uh, know, a, a few months ago, um, when they closed all the old Usenets and they migrated them over to um to Google Groups, mm-hmm. somebody found the old threads of like people arguing about which one was better. Oh, I I think I remember seeing this. And man, the more things change, the more they say this. <laughs> yeah, isn't isn't that the truth? We just we just did it in person instead of on the internet, so it it might have been slightly more civil. But I still remember as a kid, like knock down, drag out fights about which console was better. Something else to take out, uh, into account with the Super Nintendo is that I think it was the last Nintendo console to have a wide support of third party titles. Mm-hmm. Because now what you usually do is you buy a PC, you buy a, the console you like, and then you buy a Nintendo console because that's where you can play Nintendo games, right? Yeah, yeah. 
Um, but see, fucking so, the SNES had you know you have Nintendo games and third party support. Man, that's all you needed. <laughs> see, and like if we were talking about like library size, like it's definitely the Xbox 360 for me. I, I have more 360 games than than anything else. But the truth of it is, is they're not exclusive to that console. They almost all got released on others, and. I could play a lot of them on the PC just as easily. And, and like a Nintendo console is an Nintendo. And so I think that I just kind of naturally slant that way, but I think it's, <laughs> it's interesting. It's interesting because I don't think any of us picked the same system because you guys named yours. And I would actually say that mine has to be the Nintendo 64. Like I think, obje- I think objectively the super Nintendo is the best. I think that the, you know, the 360 would have been an obvious choice if you look at how many games I have. But if you just look at like what I had the most fun with and what like my golden era of playing video games was, it's definitely the Nintendo 64. Hmm. And I think a big part of that was the upgrade to four players. Cause that just kind of changed everything. Right. That's true. Like you have your you have your buddies over to play <clears throat> Mortal Kombat or something back when the Sega Genesis was out, or you play Streets of Rage or something like that, and those were great. But it doesn't even um, come it doesn't even come close to like the late night GoldenEye matches. Exactly. That's what I was gonna say. How many nights I spend like going to four in the morning just playing GoldenEye with my friends. I still I, f- I feel like I'm married to this podcast because I, I I'm starting to tell the same stories. I think, but I. S- <laughs> I still remember in GoldenEye when I figured out, not I didn't figure out, but I had like some cheat magazine and I found a way in the facility level to jump back into the ducts in the bathroom. So you're supposed to drop down and then that's it. Right. But there was a little button combination that you could hit that would glitch the game out and jump you back up into the pipes. Oh, that's just so cheap. I (laughs) remember... I remember so much drama amongst my friends because like I, I did it and that made them mad. And then like I told one person, but I didn't tell anyone else. And I remember he, I I told him like, you can't tell anybody how to do this. It's our secret. And then of course he told everybody. Of course. And I, I think like, I don't think I talked to that person again. Wow. (laughs) I think that's it. That's rough. That is how you know that a console was good, is because it ended some friendships. <laughs> you ended a friendship. Over. But yeah, I I think that I'd have to go with Nintendo sixty four. Well, that's a good that's a good choice. Nintendo sixty four didn't have a lot of games, but I think he had some of the most memorable of that era. So let's let's do yeah. this then. And Parker didn't ask this, but let's let's do a follow up question here. So we got your favorite console. What what do you think is the worst console that you've owned? That you've owned. You can't be like, oh, it's the Lynx. I want to have to say the Xbox 360. The worst console you owned? I own three of them. Well, is it because it red-ringed on you or just because it is? I, I have all of the consoles that I've owned, I still have. Yeah. The original ones, except for the Xbox. I eventually just got bored of it red-ringing because it did it, it, did it like five times in like two years. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I just I a friend of mine was uh, breaking up with her boyfriend uh-huh. and the, the moral left <laughs> his Xbox in her house oh so now it's your Xbox <laughs> now it's my Xbox that's how that works so uh, you know thanks Natalie once again for <laughs> free Xbox getting revenge so uh, what, what was yours Doug um, 
of of all the ones that I've owned, I would probably have to go with the GameCube because when it was all said and done, I think I bought a grand total of like three or four games for it. Yeah. Yeah, the GameCube had kind of a sad... That was going to be my choice, um, but I got a lot of mileage out of what I had. Like, I played a ton of Smash Brothers and... I, I had more fun with your GameCube than I had with my own. <laughs> I think that's true. That's actually probably true. We we used that GameCube a lot, and so I, I don't think I can say that it's that GameCube. I would have to say that the worst console I ever owned, and it, it makes me feel so bad to say this. We're all lucky because we didn't make shitty purchases and horrible decisions with our lives, but uh, it's got to be the Sega Saturn. Like, oh yeah, that's sad. Yeah, I, I, that makes I, sense. I think I had maybe like four games, and I I went back and was looking at like a Toys R Us ad from the '90s or something, and like Mortal Kombat for it was eighty four dollars. Jesus, and it's like yeah, I I guess I can actually see why I didn't get that for Christmas that year. <laughs> but yeah, but, I, um, and the the real kicker is is I had I I seriously probably had maybe like four or five games tops. And the thing is, is that when you buy the system, it came with three of them because it included Daytona USA, Virtua Cop, and Virtua Fighter Two. And so, what I so, what so basically you bought one game. <laughs> what I owned was already on top of those three. And and to be fair, those three games are each one of those are great games. That's like, still, that's a pretty good uh, good console. No, that's a that's a killer deal to buy it and get Virtua Fighter and and Virtua Cop and especially back then. I don't remember Virtua Fighter used to be such. Such hot shit back then. God, that used, that used to be like a contender. It was like, man, look at this shit. And then not now. <laughs> I look at it now and I'm like, this hurts my eyes. Yeah, not so, not so much <laughs> now. Talking about aging badly, right? I don't think anything has reached. Yeah, Virtua Fighter. So, has, what's has, the console that's aged the worst? That's the, the next question. That has aged the worst? Mm-hmm. Uh, like graphics-wise or just... Just in general. I mean, period, control scheme. Yeah. I think we actually probably nailed it with the Nintendo 64. Yeah. yeah. I hate that controller. I hate it so much. <laughs> the controller's bad. I mean, if you go back and look at GoldenEye and Orcarina, they're ugly as fuck. Uh, Star, Star Fox 64 is so hard to control. Yeah, it is. It's ridiculous. It's still great, though. I love that game, and I'll never... I'll never forget like the first time going into Blockbuster and like trying the Rumble Pack out. Jared, yeah, what are you talking about? It was yeah, I went. Our, to... our, our listeners don't know what a Blockbuster is, man. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> you know, my son asked me the other night what a Blockbuster was, and I had to explain it to him. Did you, how did you what what phrasing did you use? You're like, it's like a red box, but you go inside it. I told him, you know, it's like a store where you went in and you rented video games like in a and he said, so it's Best Buy. I'm like, no. <laughs> buy, you buy it and you get to keep it. Um, this one, you just had to bring it back. And he's like, what do you mean you have to bring it back? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you bring it back. Yeah, you rent it. Like a red box. Yeah, like a red box. It's, it's Imagine opening the door to a red box and then climbing inside it. And that's Blockbuster. Exactly. And, you know, he's, he was pretty much reacted like I was telling him. I don't know. Like I was talking madness. Yeah, that's, that's confusing stuff for a kid that age. <laughs> he's he's not ready. There should be like a... Blockbuster I feel, didn't go out of business that long ago. I, I feel like there needs to be a pamphlet for like, when should you talk to your kids about Blockbuster? 
Yeah, exactly. How, how do how do you talk to how your kids? how to talk to your kids about Blockbuster? <laughs> <laughs> oh man! All right. Well, I feel like we adequately answered that question. Do you guys have any any final thoughts? Any? I want to talk about GTA Four online. G- Five actually. Online. Oh, oh, do you? Yes. What do you? What's going on? So they made a, they made this huge deal of um. Adding new houses and stuff. They still haven't added heights, by the way. Yeah, well, that's not happening. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's never going to happen. Yeah, that's not that's not coming. Like every time you whine about it, I kind of, I kind of don't feel bad for you anymore. <laughs> you you had your chance to leave your abusive husband, and oh, I already left it. It was actually Jay that called me back in. Well, and that sounds about right because Jay Jay is a victim of of Grand Theft Auto Fiveism, like. The dude just can't get away from it. Jay's That's okay gateway because I, I gave him my copy of uh, Golden Axe Beast Rider. Yeah, he said so. that he said he wasn't very happy about that. <laughs> yes, he he still hasn't reviewed Ninja Bread Man for me, so this guy has a lot of work to do. He does. That's why he's out here. We we have him locked in the basement reviewing games. But so, but so anyway, they they added houses. They added houses, and I don't get it because you can only buy two, right? So. The whole idea of GTA Five uh, Online, let's be honest, is they want you to go and and spend your money on their stupid bullshit uh, shark cards, right? Uh, that's what this is all about. This is all been about with GTA Online, right? Uh-huh. The microtransaction. They limit the number of houses you can own to two, which automatically limits the number of cars you can own. Oh yeah, yeah. So they're basically limiting the number of the, the amount of money I can spend, and I don't get it. I, and it pisses me off because that is a big map, and sometimes I would like to have a house closer to where I'm at. I mean, I don't know what to tell you, man. Like they have demonstrated so crystal clearly that they have no idea what they're doing with that system. The like, I agree. I, I got I got nothing for you. I can't offer any explanation. Like it's the only just... explanation that I could think of is like maybe like they were worried about, you know, data limitations that you know would take up too much memory. I don't. But that's just retarded because fucking World of Warcraft has like eleven thousand billion users with you know I all their that... shit that's cataloged since two thousand and four. So I mean. I think they just made so much money with GTA 5 and they're about to make <laughs> billions more when the PS4 and Xbox One come out that they just don't give a fuck. Like, well, let's just see what the fuck we can do and what kind of weird things and see how much money, how much more money we can make. <laughs> That's the other thing. I'm pretty sure that um, a lot of the reason why we don't have heists is because they were busy doing the ports. But, oh, you know, sure. that's just whatever. Yeah. And, and, I, I think that you pretty much nailed it right there. Like it's just something that they've been able to run on the side and not really have to worry about it. Like they just know that that's going to make them some money and that's enough. And people are dumb enough to buy the stupid short cards, which is, <laughs> you know, I, there, there's a saying in Spanish that says, uh, it's not the pig's fault is the person who feeds them. Well, there you go. <laughs> it's not the pig's fault. It's the person who feeds you. Fair enough. I get it. Yeah. You know, so, if you keep you? paying for it, they'll keep doing it. In for a penny, in for a pound, you know? Sure. Right? Exactly. I think <laughs> it worked well enough. All right, cool. Well, I think I think we're just about to uh, 
to time. So uh, final final word is fuck you, Grand Theft Auto Five Online. <laughs> Shame on you for existing. We don't even want heists anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, I want the opposite. I want to. I want to give money to hospitals. I want you to just. I want to buy money in their online store, and then I want it to just drain my account and put it back in the bank. I want DLC where I go and visit a bank and deposit money, and then I just leave. <laughs> That's it. And I get, I get <laughs> but very you low money interest to- on my deposits. You get, you get a transaction receipt, and exactly. in in a and year, for it. yeah, and then you have to fill out your taxes every April. It's gonna be great. It's gonna really be awesome. <laughs> That's called the uh, the uh, Thug Life update. It's basically it's like a papers please mini game kind of thing, you know, like a taxes. <laughs> do your taxes in Grand well, Theft Auto. It, it's like like the the Grand Theft Auto Five. You're a gangster making his way up, and now you've made your way up, and you've gone legit. So now you have legit things to do, like taxes. Yeah, but you can't just go to H and R Block because they're gonna rob no. you blind. Yeah, do mine. your own. A They're, real gangster does his taxes. You have to go to the guy that's in the... <laughs> a real gangster in, does his taxes. That's it. You have to go to Little Havana and, you know, hire the one lady that's from Cuba, but she knows the tax law. And Yeah. That's what we do things in Miami. Yeah. I Don't reveal too much about your shady income uh, methodology, Lucio, because you never know who's listening. <laughs> It could. Be. I always, always listening. Hi, NSA. Could, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. At this point, it's probably the CIA because they've got a pretty big. Inter- Have you guys seen their their Twitter that they've been doing? Oh, I haven't. So this is not even remotely related to video games, but it's funny enough that we may as well talk to it. Uh, the CIA, and yes, I mean the CIA. They went ahead and opened. They went ahead and opened a funny Twitter account. That sounds like a great idea. Cause I feel like my tax dollars are really being uh, used here. So, like, here's one that they posted on. I'm just scrolling through the list right now. Uh, here's one they posted on July 7th that says, "No, we don't know your password, so we can't send it to you." Hashtag sorry, not sorry. Hashtag Twitterversary. This is this isn't real. Really no, no. This is it's it's a very legit. This is a verified account on Twitter. This Shit. is the this is the American CIA. There was one on here that was so good. I saw it retweeted the other day, and I was like, "There's no way this is real." Are you kidding me? And sure enough, it is. Um, fuck, I can't find it. It's so good. What kind of hashtags do they have? Like hashtag We're not spying on you. Wink. Uh, hashtag IntelCon. They use that one a lot. Oh, uh, I don't. Maybe no, they, we don't know where Tupac is. There, that's the one. Isn't that great? <laughs> no, oh, are you fucking kidding me? No, we don't know where Tupac is. What the fuck? <laughs> oh shit! Oh, I, 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 I don't. I think it just broke me. Yeah, I, I think that that should have broken everybody at this point. So this is the agency that destabilized my country. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Anyway, guys, we don't know where Tupac is either, but if we find out, we'll let you know, and you could you could have that information revealed to you by going to enemyslime.com. Accidentally, that may or may not be why Jay wasn't here. This. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, head to enemyslime.com. If you haven't, follow us on Twitter, because we're real too, and we don't post weird shit like the CIA. It's at the enemy slime. You can go to our Facebook, too, which is also The Enemy Slime. 
If you want to write us an email, ask us a question, give us a conversation topic for the podcast, we'd love that. You can send it to contact at enemyslime.com. And I think that should be it, right? Uh, and hey, Parker, if you're out there, keep on sliming. Yeah, keep sliming, buddy. Good job. All right. What's this?